everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Conversations with Simi K. Rao, where we will talk with author and physician Simi K. Rao about her books, medicine, and more. My name is Samantha, I'm a reader, and this is Simi. Oh, thank you, Samantha. Thank you, dear friends and readers, for joining me today uh, on our very first podcast. Hopefully, we will have many more where we can talk about a great variety of things which will be of interest to you. Most of you know me as an author. I have five books to my credit, four novels, and a book of poems and short stories, which was uh, published last year. What you probably don't know is that I'm a practicing physician and MD. And I have almost 20 years of experience. I practice in acute care. And I see and take care of the sickest among the sick. It is hard work, yet at the same time it is very rewarding. And I don't think I would have thrived in any other profession. Other than perhaps as a writer. And now I can do both. So... Was there anything um, that you, like, was in your life that um, made you want to become a physician? Um, I have wanted to be a physician ever since I was little. Um, I don't know what triggered uh this but uh, what I can think about you know and what is most prominent in my memory is that uh, I was sick once and I was taken care of uh, by this uh, by my neighbors two uh, girls I would, I would say young women who were both physicians and uh, when I saw them wearing the white lab coats I was so impressed and I saw that you know how the the way they carried themselves and uh, I was like immediately uh, that stuck in my brain and I said you know that is what I want to be and ever since then that has been my only desire and uh, thankfully it, it worked out and I was able to make it my career that's really cool that you were able to follow your dreams becoming a physician, and then also becoming an author. Um, Was there anything that you just decided you wanted to follow the path of writing? Um, It was almost by accident, uh, Samantha, that I started writing. I've always loved stories. Um, I like enacting them in school plays. I like narrating them to my friends. And uh, I've been always a dedicated bibliophile, so I love books all my life. Um, Besides having a bend towards science, I have loved the arts. So I can say that I have had a creative side to me uh, that I haven't been able to explore as much as uh, I wanted to because my time was taken up with studies and working hard to first become a doctor and then 
working as a doctor because it's pretty much a full-time job. But over the years, I found it was extremely stressful. Um, as I said, I work in acute care, which means that I work in the hospital and not in the clinic. So I see people who are very sick. Um, so you can imagine um, dealing with disease, life and death decisions constantly isn't easy at all. And it started to weigh on me. I was taking it all home with me even after my shift ended and I was getting depressed and I was struggling to find a way out. Um, there were times when I wanted to quit actually. Um, then I started to write I didn't, it, and it became therapeutic. Uh, you can call it a kind of self-therapy and I really enjoyed it. I then started sh sharing my stories and my poems online and I started getting readers and people who read them and liked them and they um, gave me very good positive feedback and that encouraged me to take it further and I finally wrote a book, um, my first book called Incurable Insanity which was later published again as Inconvenient Relations. And it did, did quite well, and, and the rest is history. That's a really neat story that um, you were able to juggle your own um, personal issues and then turn it into something positive and something you can share with others. Um, yes, I feel... I feel that, you know, sometimes um, opportunities arrive in, in the most um, strange ways and, you know, you need to grab them and uh, maybe uh, you'll find, a, you know, something in you that you didn't know existed. So, yep, sometimes that's just how it works. Exactly. And you succeed. <laughs> So, what is it like being a physician right now uh, in a hospital with the COVID-19 pandemic happening? Um, yes, I knew you would ask this question um, because that's on everybody's mind right now. Um, to tell you the truth, Samantha, it has been a very strange and interesting journey. Uh, you may have read it in one of my blog posts, which I titled An Unprecedented Time. Um, uh, actually, I wrote it sometime in April when um, all this kind of, uh, when Colorado was hit and uh, by COVID-19, so to say. Um, so it felt like we were experiencing or maybe still are experiencing a collective nightmare and one day we will wake up and it'll be all over um you could also call it um, 
a plot in a dystopian novel, which are so popular nowadays, but that is fiction and this is real. <laughs> um, so let me tell you that my training never prepared me for this. But being a practical person, I don't scare easily. Um, and my work gives me strength and succor. And I feel like I'm doing something. And that is what keeps me going. What I found hard is that it's all new. And every day brings about a new problem, a new side effect, a new symptom. And what was okay to do yesterday is no longer okay today. And it is very difficult to keep up with all the changing literature and guidelines. The only good thing is that everybody is in the same boat and we are just trying to do our very best. Um, it seems surreal now that a few months ago I was talking about this casually with a colleague thinking that it's something happening you know in another part of the world and that we won't be affected but then the trickle started and the cases start began, began to pile up uh, I was really worried not for myself but for my mother who's 73 years old and she lives with me and hence she falls in the high risk category I was worried I would be you know taking the virus home to her from work and making her sick if that happens um, I would never forgive myself but also at the same time um, you know during this pandemic I have seen some things which were surprising to me um, how everybody pitched in and especially the patients because they were not allowed visitors and they were spending days and in many cases weeks um, even months in the hospital uh, imagine like they when they needed the com company of their near and dear ones the most they were alone um, I saw in these patients extraordinary resilience and pragmatism um, which came to play under the worst of circumstances um, and it, it is something I have to admire. Um, is it difficult like are you in more demand at work that you can't write as much right now um, or because of like social distancing and people staying home more, are you able to write just as often? Um, I would say it hasn't necessarily affected my writing that much. Um, you know, I, you know, you could even say that, you know, since we're not going out as much, um, I may have ha have more time. Uh, but again, uh, because this is such an unusual situation that, you know, it takes, um, occupies me more than otherwise, you know, at other times. So I may have not been able to write, uh, dedicate my time to writing as much as 
I would have done otherwise in, you know, la like last year or the year before. Have you personally seen any cases in the hospital that you work at? Oh, yes. I have um, seen several cases and admitted many of them. Um, as you probably know, patients who fall in the uh, quote-unquote severe category, that is those who have severe pneumonia and those who require um, oxygen, are those who are admitted to the hospital. Um, so I have seen people who go from breathing fine, uh, not needing much oxygen to the ventilator in a few hours. Then they are spending days and weeks, even months in the ICU. So many of them develop kidney failure. Some even develop strokes. Um, and if they survive or make make it through that, um, like one of my patients, I can tell you about this person. He is in his 60s. And um, right now he's actually still in the hospital. He survived. So he got off the ventilator. But now he has um, basically lost his mind. He cannot speak or hold a conversation. Um, and it's because he has had several strokes. Uh, so right now he needs all, you know, complete care while previously he was an, an independent working person. So that's the tragedy of this disease. And um, if we think that young people, healthy people are immune to this, that is not true because uh, as an example, I, I admitted an, a young woman in her 30s who had no comorbidities other than she was obese, uh, who died after a very long struggle of almost two months. Uh, it was heartbreaking um, to see the family come to terms with this, that she would not recover. And they, you know, decided to withdraw care. Um, the worst thing is seeing people die alone, I would say. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, this is when we need a you know, family to be near us and around us. But because of this, they are not allowed to visit. So many of them die alone. And if even if we want, you know, we are there with them, that is not the same as having your family with you. But I've seen many who have recovered, recovered even after being on the ventilator, and uh, many others who did not become, you know, as sick and they were discharged. Um, but we are, we still don't know what the long-term consequences are. There, they are going to be, but they haven't been clearly defined yet. So that'll happen in the months and years to come. So even though right now, like, we've been hearing that if you think you're sick or you have a concern to isolate yourself for 14 days, um, people in the hospital, once they get sick, it can last up to months. 
right um, you know the the virus uh, itself can uh, you know cause so much damage um, to your lungs which can you know basically perpetuate itself so once your lungs get damaged you get onto the ventilator and you know it doesn't heal itself you know that's why you have all these newer drugs um and sometimes those are not enough um and uh you know once you have the lung damage which we called acute respiratory distress syndrome um you know you get complications of that so you can get um you know bacterial infection bacterial pneumonia you can get kidney failure you can get uh strokes because the in this virus uh in this this virus is supposed to cause increased um coagulation in the body um so you can get strokes from that um so there are lots of consequences to you know this illness uh, which everybody may not experience but a lot of people who get really sick do experience and that is what keeps them in the, in the hospital for that long Mm-hmm. the recovery process from the disease or virus is just very long depending on what your body goes through and can handle exactly yeah so it can be it can range from as you know um you know people who have no symptoms at all to people who have very mild symptoms like maybe a fever or a slight cough uh which they may you know ignore to you know severe disease and you know so it all, it's a range of symptoms and illnesses and you know if and if you have a serious illness or severe illness you're likely to have all the potential complications as well um what are your biggest concerns about covid-19 and how everyone is dealing with it and how the society is reacting to it that is um a difficult question Samantha but you know i will be frank i'm concerned that the pandemic is still ongoing that it hasn't yet run out of steam um that the public health efforts haven't worked or they haven't been implemented stringently enough that and this is very concerning um we as a society haven't taken covid seriously enough and it is a crying shame that the most advanced the most powerful country in the world with everything at its disposal you know the best science best r&d a premier a premier organization such as the CDC which is considered to be the best in the world that our country has fallen victim to this virus and we don't know what to do um still um where other countries have been able to control the spread uh and bring down the case load substantially we haven't uh i checked today and there were like 55,600 new cases diagnosed as of this morning 
uh, in the past 24 hours, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. A month ago, the cases had come down significantly, and actually, I can say, you know, because I was in the hospital, and, and there were just maybe, maybe for two, three weeks, there were no patients we were admitting who were COVID. But then they started to rise again. And what is really worrying for me is now that the flu season is about to start and we'll be all getting our flu shots and COVID would still be around at that time. So it's almost like a double whammy. Um, the, what is, you know, really sad is that we knew such a situation would arise or could arise and we weren't prepared to deal with it. And we are paying the price. Uh, we paid it, and we're continuing to pay the price. Um, and to those who think this is a hoax, it is not a hoax. Um, uh, how, when have you seen so many doctors, nurses, other healthcare, and frontline workers die? You know, in in this amount. You know, did we ask for it? Was it a conspiracy of some kind? You know, no, we didn't ask for it. We too have families. We have kids. We we too want to go on our holidays and vacations. But we are, at the same time, we want to be safe uh, because we have seen what this can do and it, it is terrible. So I don't believe anybody hasn't been touched by this directly or indirectly. Um, and who doesn't know someone who hasn't been affected by this so so do you think think the um, flu season is a big worry because once people start getting sick their immune system is lower and then we're all more susceptible to getting COVID-19 Absolutely, because, you know, in the flu season, you know, um, our caseloads go up because all the number of patients in the hospitals go up, not just because of the flu, but, you know, as you said, it can reduce your immunity to fight other types of um, diseases and illnesses. And that can, you know, be the same case with COVID. Um, If you get the flu, your immune system is... Um, you know, attacked and uh, it is unable to uh, mount a fight um, against another infection and COVID is one of them. So potentially this could get worse. Um, In your blog, uh, In Unprecedented Time, you talked about how in the beginning of the pandemic, Um, doctors were using hazmat suits but as time has gone on we've seen that stop is there any particular reason do we just know that because it's more airborne that a complete hazmat suit isn't needed no uh, I don't think so it's just that you know wearing a hazmat suit is it's it's difficult, <laughs> you know, it's physically, <laughs> you know, you cannot do much when you wear a hazmat suit. But more than that, I think it's just that it's uh, you don't need a hazmat suit uh, in this situation. 
plus there are not enough to go around you know you 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 did know that we went through a time and we could potentially that could happen again that um, we didn't even have enough uh, personal protective equipment like masks and gowns and gloves you know that uh, everybody could use everybody and you know not not just doctors but nurses and other people who were in direct um, contact with these patients so imagine everybody wearing hazmat suits um, that'll be you know like <laughs> an a movie from you know alien movie or something like that but um, yeah. I would say that we just don't need them and even if we did they're not enough so that is again more reason that we need to follow you know safe um, you know wear a mask and um, you know maintain social distancing because if everybody got sick you know we are going to overwhelm our healthcare um, you know our hospitals and our healthcare system and uh, you know people will be just dying because there's no body nor hospital or no doctors left to who can take care of them so um, do you think so in the beginning of this pandemic it was very difficult for the hospitals because they weren't prepared they didn't have enough ventilators and that kind of happened where some people weren't able to get the help they needed from the hospitals um, but now as time has gone on and we've been able to prepare more do you think like with a second wave with the flu that might happen again where hospitals won't have enough beds or supplies for people that have COVID-19 yeah because it's pretty much you know um, it's not just COVID uh, patients who need the ventilator you know even patients with other kinds of um, diseases need the ventilator so it's basically a ventilator is a supportive uh, equipment you know it helps someone breathe so even if you are very sick say from a heart attack uh, or a stroke or um, some other kind of illness where you cannot you know keep up uh, you you can be put on the ventilator so so the ventilator is not exclusively for covid patients so it, even people with the flu or severe emphysema you know they may need the ventilator so that is to say we have a very limited supply regardless we probably ramped up quite a bit when this all this started but still imagine if everybody gets sick or say the flu season we have you know that the double the amounts of people uh, you know with covid and the flu and other kinds of uh, infections or illnesses who may need the ventilator uh, we wouldn't have enough so um, so I would say that we would still run into that same problem again and maybe it could be potentially even worse we just don't know yet um, earlier you mentioned that it's important to follow these social distancing rules and wearing a mask why do you think that specific thing is so important? 
Well, um, you know, COVID or the coronavirus uh, is transmitted by, you know, breathing by air. So um, it absolutely makes sense, common sense, to wear a mask because you are basically preventing the virus. If you are sick or if you have COVID and you are asymptomatic, uh, you could potentially, if you don't wear a mask, you could be passing that virus into the air onto someone who is not infected and who could get infected from you and who could potentially be more susceptible or has the likelihood of getting more sick from the infection. So it's absolutely makes sense to bear a mask even if you're not sick. Um, and the person and everybody and um, you know the person who's actually sick, that person should bear a mask too. So it's not just to protect yourself, but to protect others from you. So it's more of a collective decision, you know, like it's a public health decision rather than, you know, a personal health decision. Um, and unfortunately, we are not used to that. We always, you know, think about ourselves. It's my health and, um, you know, it's my family's health. But we don't think about, you know, our neighbor's health, you know. So this is where we need to think about the whole community, whole society, you know, together rather than just thinking about ourselves. Because if, if somebody is sick next door, it is, it, it is risky. It's, there is risk that we can get sick too. So that is what this pandemic is all about. What can we do in our communities to help protect ourselves, but also other people and their families? Well, um, again, as I said, mask, always wear a mask. Um, you know, three layers are better than one. And uh, one layer is better than no, no layers. So um, always wear a mask when you're in public. Um, that is when you're among others. Uh, children also should wear masks uh, because even they are not they're supposed to be not as susceptible as adults uh, children that is younger than nine years old um, or, or older they can potentially transmit this infection uh, to susceptible adults um, so always wear masks uh, avoid crowds um, especially if you're indoors uh, crowds in closed spaces um, keep a good distance of at least six feet uh, between yourself and the next person and wash your hands as often as possible um, something we are not most of us are not used to doing but these are all simple measures which everybody can follow very easily and if you say that you are too sick, uh, like you have asthma or any other kind of respiratory illness, that you're not able to wear a mask, then just stay at home. Because it, if you get sick, you will get very sick. So. Yeah, and I've also seen there are masks specifically for people that have asthma because um, it protects them against mold or dirt in the air um, and makes their breathing a little better. 
Right, right. So, you know, it prevents your them, you know, prevents them get, from triggering the asthma, like molds and other allergens. Um, but, you know, if you think that you are, you get, you are getting sick by wearing a mask, then maybe you should not be, you know, outside in the, um, where you can potentially, um, get infected. Um, you mentioned that children aren't getting as sick. Um, do you think that could change with flu season? Yes, you know, um, potentially it could change. Um, I mean, uh, with the coronavirus, it has been found that um, the younger children uh, are not getting, you know, that sick or they're not as susceptible. But the older children, uh, nine years and above, are, you know, do get sick. Um, but what is worrying that is that they may be remaining asymptomatic, that is having no, they're not getting any symptoms, but they're able to transmit it to others. But with the incoming flu season, you, you know very well that children can get and get, can get sick from the flu um, and that could as you said um, earlier could uh, lower the immunity and make them more susceptible so yes the potential is there it's just that you know it hasn't you know, been studied yet or we haven't even encountered that situation yet so if this continues on we will obviously no more. Um, okay. Well, that about wraps up our discussion. Uh, thank you, Simi. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. Um, feel free to subscribe and check out Simi's Facebook page, as well as her group, HealthWise, on Facebook. Uh, she has an Instagram and her blog website is simikrao.com. Um, in all of these places, she goes into further detail on these topics and answers questions from the audience. Um, we'll also have the links on the website. Please tune in next time where we will go into further detail on some author talk. Oh, great. Samantha, it was really good talking to you, um, especially on COVID and what it has done to us in our society. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us um, on this podcast. Uh, and uh, you can post uh, your comments and ask any questions or, um, you know, topics you would wish us to talk about in the future. And you can post them at all the the about sites uh, where we'll be posting links to the podcast and we will try our best to answer those questions and uh, maybe address those topics in the future.